From WNAT in New York, welcome to WNAT Up Next, where we take you behind the scenes for an insider's look at our programs and the people who make them possible. Now that we're well into the fall season with its explosion of cultural events and activities, we thought it would be a terrific time to talk with Joan Hershey, the editorial director of WNAT's weekly arts and culture series, NYC Arts. Joan, welcome to WNAT Up Next. Thank you. I'm very pleased and excited and honored to be here with you. And right up front, when can I see NYC Arts? NYC Arts airs in primetime on Thursday nights. It's an honor to have earned that position, I think, over the years. And it also airs on 13 on Sunday at 12 noon and on WLIW on Tuesdays at 5.30 and 7.30. Great. So tell us what NYC Arts is really all about, the history of the show and its mission. Sure. It was Neil Shapiro coming on board who saw the potential for what this area has to offer and how public television should play an important role in bringing all the wonderful things arts in the way of arts and culture to our viewers. And actually, when he started, he made himself the host of the show and then decided that we should move on. And as he likes to say, he fired himself <laughs> and hired the very distinguished hosts that we have now, Philippe de Montebello and Paul Azan. So shortly after, we were known as Sunday Arts for a year or two. And then we graduated to becoming NYC Arts when we were given the Thursday night primetime position, because that makes more sense as a title. So it has been a wonderful experience working with both our hosts. As you know, they have very different backgrounds as, as veterans. I think that they're both very, very different. They're both excellent in what they do. Each has their different areas where they're more comfortable with the subject matter. But what I like to say about Philippe is that he's really quite amazing. When you talk about someone being a veteran of the art scene. He is maybe one of the top two longest-serving directors of any museum in the world. And he he came to NYC Arts after he stepped down after his 31 years. And, of course, we should point out that that job was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yes, excuse me, yes, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, a very distinguished position. And in addition to working with us on NYC Arts, he also continues his work as an international consultant, giving lectures around the world. He's a professor at the NYU Institute of Fine Arts and on the board of some museums in Europe and here as well. And I think that is a great honor and a privilege to work with someone like that. He has obviously the highest of standards. I usually take on the producing of his segments. I do most of them. And to get a bravo or a good work from Philippe when you're done with something is really, really very special. So what kind of uh, input uh, editorially would he give you from his area of expertise? Well, we kind of of are on the same wavelength. Very often I've found that I beat him to the punch because I heard something interesting was coming up in a couple of months, or he suggests a couple of things to me that he likes. But beyond that, I I'm also getting many, many pitches day after day after day of people interested in being interviewed by Philippe or Paula. I think that Philippe and I are in simpatico, if that's mm-hmm. the word, about where his lane is and what his strengths are. He also is so widely respected in the world of the arts that he's often spoken about when I go to different events and people are interested to know what's going on behind the scenes and so forth. And Paula Zahn uh, from the world of television. It's, I always think of Paula Zahn, originally one of her earlier jobs was hosting the Winter Olympics. Many years really? Ago. I didn't yeah. know that. I knew 
knew about her interview of Castro, but um, I didn't know about the Winter Olympics. What I would say about Paula, also top-of-the-line professional and a privilege to work with her and to reach her level of professionalism. Her interests are, she's a little bit more comfortable with a wider range of subject matter, Mm -hmm. so generally she takes on theater subjects, music subjects, but she's done some wonderful interviews just in the past couple of years. I might say the range, everything from Sting to Michael Tilson Thomas to Roseanne Cash, and most recently she did an interview with Louise Mirror at the New York Historical Society, and I think she had a special interest in that one because the occasion was the opening of a new women's history center, and there is none such uh, facility anywhere in New York or really anywhere in the country that I that I know of. And another uh, person we see very often on the program is your unseen reporter, Christina Ha, who's a very interesting young journalist. Talk about Christina. Christina used to work for the Metro Channels, and her real beat and her passion was fashion. She dresses so, very well. Yes, I noticed as that. You can, as you can tell. But she also is one of our biggest cheerleaders. She does some other work representing the station on air and at events, and she always talks us up. But the thing that I love about Christina is I think she comes across with, aside from her enthusiasm, great warmth. And I think she's a she's a viewer favorite. I can tell you every once in a while when we don't have a news segment, my mother calls and says, "Where's Miss Ha?" <laughs> she misses Mrs. Christina, That's but she's great. a pleasure That's to great. work with, and we hope to have her on camera maybe even more in the coming years. Well, those folks are the on-camera faces of NYC Arts, and I know my colleague Raphael P. Roman is featured once in a while reporting from Lincoln Center on the activities up there. But let's go behind the scenes a little bit more. First of all, in, in choosing what to do, what kind of stories would go into a typical episode of your program? Ah, well, we kind of have a format and then we find that we get ourselves into situations where and usually things pop up that don't fit into that format. And David Horn, our executive producer, always says, break the rules if we got something special. Generally, each show is divided into three sections. We have a feature segment, which is usually an interview or a profile of someone in the arts. And then we have what we call a curator's choice segment, which is about a specific exhibition or a single item in a specific exhibition that's going on. And then we have our news segments, which Christina hosts from various locations around town. And when I say it's news, it's we predict the news. What she's doing is promoting upcoming events in, in the area. And I should mention that we also don't just stick to New York in that area. We also go to Westchester. We have something from a museum in New Haven, some in New Jersey, and as far out as the east end of Long Island. You might have to change the title of the program to something more, yeah, more, more broad. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's, not limited to NYC. That's right. You have a number of people working behind the scenes. and How does that work? Let's say that we want to go do a curator's choice at the Frick. Mm-hmm. So how do we proceed? First of all, I think I should say that for a show that airs Almost every single week a year, unfailingly. And you never take a, you really never take a break. Rarely take a break. We do some encores in, in August. 
we really only have about four people on staff that are devoted to this production. We do a lot with borrowing some of our talented producers from great performances to some sometimes help us out. And I myself also work for great performances as a producer of the dance program. And sometimes there is some synergy between the two. On a seasonal basis, we sort of put all our heads together and make lists of what's coming up in each each genre of the arts in the area. And I sort of edit the, that list down further, sort of curating this mm-hmm. proposed subject matter. And fortunately, the people that I work with are avid arts enthusiasts themselves, and each one has a strength. I know it's probably hard to answer, but do you have favorite segments that, that you have done, things that you are particularly proud of? Me personally? Yeah, you personally. <laughs> Me personally, yes, I have a little list. I would say, and then that's one of the joys and pleasures of working on the show is when I do my own segments. As I mentioned, I produce almost all of Philippe's. We have one coming up right now, which is going to be this huge Michelangelo exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and right now I'm editing a segment with him from a location that's very not very well known to the public. It's called the Bard Graduate Center on West 86th Street, mm-hmm. and there's an exhibition there of the work and life of someone named John Lockwood Kipling, and it's called The Arts and Crafts Movement of the Punjab in London, which sounds a little esoteric, but you really have to get over there and see it. Okay. Philippe did a lovely interview with, with the curator and founder there. Personally, in the last couple of years, My favorite piece that I produced was about Jeremy Dank, who was an up-and-coming pianist at the time, and I sort of felt something in my gut when I was going to see him. I have a piano background myself. I'd like to do a piece on that. And I kind of stalked him around town, watching him perform, and then worked up the courage to call his management and say if he would be willing to do this. He was. He was fantastic. Not only did he perform for us and do a great interview, he was so thrilled that he wanted to thank me and have a go out to dinner, which I thought was a very nice, which 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 we did. But what what I felt was my instincts were so good because literally about four months after the piece aired, he was honored with a MacArthur fellowship. And I thought to myself, well, gee, I was onto something there. Mm-hmm. My other favorites, just because I admire them so much, is the choreographer and director, and I would say political activist, Bill T. Jones. That's mm-hmm. a fascinating individual and very challenging person to talk to. And more recently, one of my favorite pieces was Philippe, a little bit out of his lane of the galleries. I had him do an interview with a world-renowned architect by the name of Moshe Safdie. He was receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Cooper Hewitt. So I volunteered Philippe for that. Mm -hmm. And little did I know, they actually not only uh, were aware of each other's work, but they hadn't seen each other in 25 years. So it was a lovely reunion. That was a great pleasure because we hadn't delved into the world of architecture very much. Philippe was very comfortable with the subject matter, and he, of course, has visited many of the museums that Mr. Safdie built around the world, and he really is truly international. I was particularly proud of, of that one. Something we've been considering a lot in our world of public media is ways to share our content. Your show is particularly a New York City area show. However, there are so many things in there which would provide fascinating viewing for anybody across the country. And now there are ways to do that. Could you tell us a little bit about this? I think it's called MMG. Yes, and then I'd also like to mention another form of a segment other than a feature and a curated choice okay. that we're doing, which sure. which I think is yeah. new new to us. 
We are part of this major marketing group initiative. Basically, it's a sharing of arts segments with stations who subscribe to the service across the country. What they do is every Monday they're fed sort of a do-it-yourself kit of how to put together a half-hour show with copy written and four segments attached that would time out to be what you like. We occasionally air some of these segments on NYC Arts, but because we have the wherewithal to produce these things ourselves, we've become a major supplier to the MMG distribution. And that's been really a very nice thing to be able to, to offer. But we have another category which also would work very well for MMG uh, and for ourselves, which came about with bringing on board a new employee who's a very talented artist in her own right. Her name is Maureen Coyle. These are evergreen green pieces that are not about uh, necessarily an individual person or a particular artwork. One of the pieces Maureen is working on is about urban glass, lest you think that glass blowing was gone forever. It's alive and well and living in Brooklyn a few blocks away from VAM. Maureen is producing a segment on that that will air in January. We also are doing a MTA Music Under New York program, which Maureen initiated as well. And upcoming, we are going to have on the show a series of individual vignettes on people who are performing in the subway now. The range and breadth of who they are is quite astounding. Everything from opera to a cappella. One of the pieces is featuring the group Stiletta, six-girl group, Mm -hmm. and the other is Street Mule, who's very well known. You may have seen him in the subway. He plays an unusual instrument called the Didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. But in his real life, life, he's uh, an architect. She also did a wonderful piece on a violin maker, lest you think that has gone out of style as well. This violin maker we came to know of because one of our Avery Fisher musicians who we featured owns a violin that was made by this man and in the possession of Isaac Stern, and then this young man came to have this violin. So it's a wonderful story about the violin maker. She's also done a piece about Jane's Carousel, which is in Brooklyn uh, Bridge Park. And the Bound Print Shop down at the Seaport Museum. So these are sort of interesting things that are not in the same category as the others, but they're evergreen and they're kind of behind-the-scenes look at people and places that are not necessarily in the forefront of, of public view. Sounds wonderful. How about the viewership? What kind of response do you get from the viewers and what kind of a need do you feel that the program fills for a viewer? I think what we're really looking for is a synergy between our show and viewers and the institutions and people that we're featuring. The idea is to drive the energy of the television production to people going out and seeing and enjoying and going to the theater. So it's it's sort of a circular kind of thing. I have one very nice story, which I'd like to say about um, an organization called the Broadway Dance Lab. And I met this gentleman when I was working on a great performances program in Paris. He was visiting a friend in the Paul Taylor Dance Company, and we sort of kept up a communication here. And his organization allows an opportunity with grant money for choreographers to come in and with paid dancers and paid studio time, the chance to experiment without the pressure of a deadline to perform. 
Well, he let me know that as a consequence of seeing this piece airing, which was he applied for a grant from the Mertz Gilmore Foundation, and he went in for his interview. The woman was very pleased about what she saw on paper, but she also said that she'd seen this segment on NYC Arts, and she thought it so beautifully encapsulated what they were about that he ended up being awarded with a very significant grant to continue his work. That's great What more can you ask for, right? You touched on it, but the institutions themselves must be thrilled by your presence. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. We have been trying with some success to get some tracking from these organizations as to uptick in terms of visitors. I always think this is the prime season in the greater New York area for the arts. Uh, Fall, winter, there's always this almost palpable sense of energy and and arts and culture. So I'm going to ask you to do a little previewing for our listeners. Where should they go? Okay. Have you got a few places where we need to go this fall? I have a couple of places which I think may be less obvious. Okay. Than, than the usual, and they happen to be favorite haunts of mine personally, and we are featuring some of their activities. One is this American folk art museum that's over in Lincoln Square. Mm-hmm. There is a fantastic exhibition there now called War and Peace, that's P-I-E-C-E-D, and it's an exhibition so stunning of quilts that were made by men in the military out of the cloth of military uniforms. It is fascinating. Emission is free. I think it's a great place that I would highly recommend. A couple of places up in my neighborhood that are a little less known, and that is the Neue Gallery, which is was founded by Ronald Lauder and is devoted to German and Austrian art. Upcoming, all those Klimt's. All those Klimt's, and they have the famous Adele Blockbauer in their collection. But upcoming is an exhibition called, about the Wiener Werkstatt, which was really a collaborative of artists that were sort of part of the arts and crafts movement, the Art Nouveau, and this exhibition is uh, one of these immersive exhibitions where they sort of do the galleries over with the wallpaper of the time and the furniture of the time and the objects that were created by the Wiener Werkstatt were everything from stationery to furniture to clothing to silverware. So I think that's a great one. I actually haven't been there yet, but I've seen the, seen the catalog. I have to say that I think the Michelangelo exhibition that's coming to the Metropolitan Museum is going to be one of those blockbusters that people are going to be talking about for quite some time. The number of works of his and the variety of works that are going to be displayed have never been on view together in this quantity and to this extent. If I'm not mistaken, there's going to be some aspect of the Sistine Chapel or his works related to the Sistine Chapel that are going to be installed. It's going to be a very large exhibition and um, very rare in terms of the way it was curated from museums um, and collectors all around the world. Will that be in place for a good time? Yes, it will. It opens on uh, November 13th, and I think it's up through... February. Not quite sure of the end date on that one. Also, um, one thing that we just learned about, which is coming up 
in February. We're going to be the first in the door, if I have anything to do with it, at the Brooklyn Museum, where there's going to be probably another blockbuster, very popular exhibition on David Bowie, Hmm. who, as you know, is a very popular figure for people who have been following his career in the world of photography, lest we forget. A wonderful piece has just been produced from the International Center of Photography called Generation Wealth by Lauren Greenfield. And instead of having the curator on camera, we actually have Lauren Greenfield on camera. And she is best known probably for her work producing and directing a documentary called The Queen of Versailles, a very unusual, eccentric piece about very wealthy people living way out in the West. I think they're in Arizona or Nevada or something like that. She explores the subject of wealth starting from the 80s, 90s, the 2000s up till now in all its obsessiveness, whether wealth connects to fame, beauty, power, and all of that. And it's told through both video, audio, and her work as a photographer, which is really, really quite outstanding. She goes where some... our fear, fear to tread. Okay, she's even got a Kardashian in there. We'll look forward to that. You know, you know, so many of our listeners don't live in the metropolitan area, and look for an opportunity to see your content, perhaps online. And I know that's a possibility. How does that happen? Yes. Where do they go? Yes, and we we made a point make a point of mentioning this on air as many times as we can. Um, our website is nyc-arts.org. Mm-hmm. Usually the morning after, usually on Friday mornings, the show from the night before is posted there, and you can watch it in full or you can access just individual segments of it. And that website with all those shows on it lives there indefinitely. So it is a continual resource. It's so like people a real can library go, of Absolutely. Work. John Hershey. Thank you so much for being here. It's really been so much fun to talk to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Join us again soon for our next episode. Don't forget WNET Up Next is brought to you by the Design and On-Air Promotion Department of WNET New York. I'm Tom Stewart.